Hi Creepsters, tonight is our Halloween special episode, episode 19, and the name of this episode is called The Rise of the 90s Witch, and the guest that I have for tonight is a very dear friend of mine from college, Andy W. Andy, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. (laughs) Happy to talk to you. I know. We just recently reconnected. Andy and I go way back from college. Yep. Like, we, oh man, we had so much fun in college too. He's super creative. He's an artist, a creative thinker, a designer, and recently a radio producer. Yes. <laughs> who is. <laughs> interested in spiritual studies including tarot symbolism and also pop culture and societal history and a queer advocate tonight we will be discussing some of the most iconic horror movies from the 90s that were centered around witches so with further ado andy would you like to start off yeah totally so like when we talked about teaming up or i like kind of pitched you this idea that we could talk about movies and cinema and the representation of the occult and witches or i mean i know you love vampires and (laughs) werewolves but and all those things that occurred during the 90s that kind of give us our perspective on where we come from and like stylistically how we think of all of the Halloween characters, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just started naming off movies and it just was like, whoa, we can talk about so many different things. Mm -hmm. And then also we wanted to highlight the fact that the new craft movie came out the craft legacy which we watched last night yeah and kind of talked about together mm-hmm. so we'll talk about that afterwards i know india has some very interesting uh reviews of that <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, yeah it was a, it was a it was a cute it was cute but it was it was it 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 did not compare to the original yeah. at and all. It's hard because, like, I don't want to, like, say it's a different generation. So it's, like, it's hard for me. Like, who knows? There could be some teenagers that's watching that. It's like, oh, my God, this is me. You know, so I don't want to, like, crap down on that. Downplay it. Anything. Yeah. But, it's... yeah, for, for me, the acting in the first one is epic and the timing. But I also you know we were the perfect age for that movie so yeah and that kind of goes into like what we were talking about when we we're going to go through a list of our favorite movies from that time mm-hmm. um but first in our notes we talked about witches in film and media and good witches and bad witches and you wrote the question what makes them so mystical yeah so why do you think they're mystical I think witches are magical um, and mysterious and that's what makes them mystical because I think going back to the beginning of time, I think over the lifetime, 
I think that witches started out as good characters in life, mm -hmm. I guess. That's how I can put it. They started out as like medicine women and medicine men, you know, before oh. we knew what doctors or had or before doctors were invented, we you had yeah. the the medicine women and men and then their names have changed throughout the centuries and I think it a big part of that is due to religion has mm -hmm. changed I think religion For has sure. changed the perception of of um what a witch is because witches were meant to be healers, you know, they weren't meant to be like these hideous creatures that the media has painted them yeah. you know because it 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 like every i feel like every decade they come out with a new type of witch yeah. <laughs> or character I mean. of, a, of character of a witch but i think that that's what witches started out as they started out as healers and people went to witches to get medicine herbs and they were just caregivers and they still are till today um but okay. now that hollywood is here they have destroyed and glamorized <laughs> little witches so that's why i think i mean it, it goes back and forth though with hollywood though because some in some ways like as in some of the movies we'll talk about they've glamorized the witch or giving them kind of a, another way to look at them. I mean, if you watch American Horror Story, everybody loves Coven. Or oh my like gosh, yes. But I do agree with you that, you know, Valenciaga, you know, like everybody says that. Every gay I know says that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I do agree that religion changed it because religion had a story that they wanted to tell. So, yeah. anything that went against that story, like, not everybody went of witches or healers or you know um, other people but like I mean they were also, even if they were just keeping to themselves people don't like the other so they mark the other that they don't understand as a bad thing exactly when, like they could have just been in their like house in a normal house I mean like I like even thinking about brooms and everything else it's like well, you know, th that got labeled as something that was bad, but who knows why, you know, it, it got labeled that. Yeah, you know, I I mean, doesn't everybody to... have a broom, too? I, exactly. <laughs> I want to do an episode on where that legend or tale came from that or stereotype that witches ride yeah. on brooms. I I still to this day I've I haven't like done extensive research, but I kind of played around with like trying to research it, and I cannot find anything. And I know that there has to be so much out there because I always see like these pictures from Victorian times. I actually touch on maybe not why it's a broom, but like why witches fly. But I found some stuff about that in here. You did? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I'm so fascinated with that because um. Like the levitating as an idea or a concept uh, in general. I have that in here, and it talks about. I mean, we'll go into it later. But. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I feel like makes 
which is so mysterious and just the fact that people don't really know if magic exists you know what i mean like yeah, you have your spiritual you have your spiritual people you have your psychics your mediums and then it's a whole nother side. You have your shamans, medicine people, um, for sure, warlocks, witches, for sure. Which we get into, I mean, which is kind of the idea of yeah. the whole craft legacy as well, you know. And like, I feel like, like, like I heard you say on other episodes too, you kind of feel like the interest in the occult or the interest in, you know, which spells or any of all of this stuff just comes from you know uh ancestry in mm -hmm. your bloodline even too and i can say the same thing about myself which is like like even tarot like i know that my mom practiced tarot around me when i was a kid for herself not like not for other people no but, way and that and that my grandmother i found out recently used to have tarot card reader come and read to her and I didn't even know that story until I asked my mom recently and it's such an interesting thing because when my when I was a kid I remember looking at these books that my grandma had they were like a cult book yeah and they were like a series that you got from like the jewel or something I think but or like maybe she ordered them in the mail but they were like a <laughs> set and one was like about mind reading and one was mediumship and one was what? about ghosts and I remember, like, looking at those books when I was a kid and opening them up and flipping through the pages. There was definitely this one where it talked about, um, you know, like, the cards with, like, different runes on the back. And you had to, like, intuitively match the runes, like, know which rune was where. Yeah. And it was, like, this little game in the book. So I just remember, like, being up late at night and looking at these books and being like, ooh, what's going to happen? You know, like... But never really thinking about why did my grandmother, who didn't present like she was into things like this, have these books, you know? So it's wow. really been a revelation recently. And yeah. then talking about like the craft or all these 90s things, which is what we're talking about. Like eventually, you know, I found friends and other people that were interested in these same things and I made connections with them I mean I truly met some of my best friends in life in different situations because of the craft or thinking about magic or thinking about all of this I mean pretty much craft yeah <laughs> but for one of my first best friends when I was a kid I met because I walked up to him and I was like oh do you think that there's going to be water that comes out of this pump in the in the ground? And then we were like, oh, it's the no. And it was like this big moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss the 90s. Things are so much more simple and just fascinating. <laughs> um. <laughs> and we can talk more about other connections with you know the craftsmanship yeah you know. that's that's why don't we talk good. about the next thing on the list which is the 90s well that's what you're saying i was gonna say that the first thing we were gonna talk about is like the lead up to how they got to uh 
the way that they presented witches in the 90s. And when we were talking about good witches or bad witches, I like to think mm-hmm. of like the Wizard of Oz. Like, are yeah. you a good witch or the bad witch? And Galindo was the good witch. And then all the other witches were the bad witches. Which, yeah. you know, like, the, there's a roof that landed on one, so we didn't really get to ask her. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder if she was a good witch. She could have been good, too, just because she had different stockings on. So yeah. Bad witch. <laughs> But then we also, I was thinking about like just culturally like cool people that had kind of a witchy feel to them. Like Stevie Nicks definitely had a witch element to her. Oh, but she is. She's come out and said that she's a witch. And yeah, and she also she's she's a practicing witch. And I thought it was cool that they used her in the coven. And people just For thought, sure. like, oh, it's just Stevie Nicks. She's so adorable. But, like, she's legit, like, practicing witch. And, um... Totally. And that whole aesthetic that they used in Coven was based off of her. And yeah. She actually had a song in Practical Magic. So it's it, the movie from the 90s. Mm-hmm. So it kind of also, I mean, even before the 90s, she was presenting as a witch and, like, mm-hmm. with her flowing capes and so on. She's been doing it since had... the 70s, yo. She's She's been in the game for a long time. She, she's OG witch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she you is. also mentioned that you wanted to discuss David Bowie and the uh, Labyrinth, which is in the 80s. But I do think that, like, that aesthetic that he created, which was kind of, you know, different kind of look and kind of his hair was kind of like how it looked in like the lost boys or whatever kind of more like a vampire feel yeah very very much so damn you know what i didn't even write enough i didn't write any notes on that no it's all right uh even though that's like one of my favorite movies but yeah it's that dive deeper into yeah it's um it's just that very mystical dreamlike, it dreamlike state where you're like For in sure. this, just this maze of all this craziness, all these mystical creatures, including trolls and fairies that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. It has that same thing. You're, you're yeah. somehow. Or Alice in Wonderland, where it's like these yes. are stories that are presented towards children, but you're but they're kind of got like a scary feel to them, yeah. you know. And it's and like you still, as much as you're scared of the bad villain characters, you kind of meet them or you like them or are drawn to them. Mm-hmm. And David Bowie's like singing and whatever. Yeah. Whether well, there's a song about the shoes or like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's like dancing around and you never know where he's going to be around the corner. So I definitely think that that had like led to other, you know, that definitely set, yeah, that definitely set the tone. I, gosh, I think that movie came out in 86. Yeah. So imagine being, we, we were, gosh, I, I guess I don't want to say how old I was. <laughs> but. I definitely wasn't old enough to even comprehend what a movie was. 
at that point. So I probably... But then again, back then, you didn't get a movie right away. Like, now we watch movies on Netflix, and it comes out, you watch it, you're done with it. Yeah, like... Back then, you would see it two years later. So maybe when we were four, we did. Yeah. Or whatever age we were, because I don't want to say what age we are. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think that, um... Yeah, that that was that movie. It, it it was like being a kid and watching a movie, and you're just yeah. watching yourself dreaming. That's how totally. movies like that felt, and it was it was just so cool to be in like this dreamlike state. Like you get to see trolls and ghouls and and like. It yeah, it wasn't exactly like Halloween. It like kind of created its own creatures. Yeah, and with like a so style. Cool. And those were all the Muppets, like Jim Henson. Yeah, too, right? yeah. And then I that, mean, not the actual Muppets, but their own characters for that. Exactly, that definitely set the tone. And then I think since we're talking about the labyrinth, I think we can go into the witches of Eastwick. Which, yeah, like, I can definitely see how The Witches of Eastwick turned into movies like The Craft 10 mm-hmm. years later, you know? Yeah. Like, that was definitely pushing, uh, you know, that witches aren't ugly, that they can be sexy, and that they, like, it was definitely love spell inspired, or that he, yeah. that Jack Nicholson had, like, a hold over them. And they were amazing, too. I mean, this was, so, like, this was, you know, it's not your green witch from the Wizard of Oz with the like moles anymore. Exactly. More, like, this was sharing. this was, yeah, <laughs> literal icons <laughs> played these roles. They were beautiful and like in their prime. And For Jack sure. Nicholson is just beyond amazing. Like I don't sure. even think he's human. Like if. Yeah. Aliens exist. He is definitely one of them, and he, <laughs> it, it it was just that that's that was another movie with that was like you watched it and you felt like you were in a dream. Like they, I think oh, yeah. cinema back then captured things so differently. Even I don't know what you would call it, but like the way things looked on on the screen. Just gave yeah. this very just dewy, dreamy like feel. Whereas today, actually, you know, I will say the the remake or the the new version of Craft, they did try to capture that, like as far as like the the colors they use. Yeah. Like they tried, they tried to capture like that '90s cinema like that look so that they did do that i will give them that i will say that it did a lot some of the special effects did match what they did in the first movie i think the reason why movies back in the day looked so real was because a lot of the special effects were actually like puppets yeah now everything's cgi and when things are cgi it's easier to not be, it's harder to be in that world because our eyes kind of can tell that it's fake, you mm-hmm. know, unless it's really, really, really good, you know? Yeah, and I think... So the Witches of Eastwick definitely had that, like, dream-like feel where, you know, like, they're floating around in the pool or... I mean, I remember in Witches of Eastwick when the girls were spitting up the, like, cherry pits. Yeah. 
Gosh, it was so just, that was that was, that was a beautiful, like visually stimulating. It that was a beautiful movie, and I think that's when I fell in love with the idea of witches. So from that movie on, it was like yeah. any movie that has witch in it. I I was just so intrigued by it because I'm like. Yo, we could like be living next door to a witch and nobody would even know. Like, no one would know. <laughs> you see, maybe it's happening now. Right? Yeah. And that was 1987, so this was before the 90s. But, like, I do feel that sets the tone, the opening of the whole deal. Because then you, on this list, we also have Teen Witch, which I don't know if you remember that movie. But yeah kind of like the craft only this was more like bubble dummy yeah and that was 1989 yeah it was kind of like the fourth runner for like uh sabrina the teenage witch yeah and then in 1980 oh this is 1988 which is before that there was beetlejuice Epic. so that kind of created that whole world of you know occult figures and lydia definitely has the same fashion gothic appeal yeah of other movies in the future mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you a fan of the Beetlejuice? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Beyond. But yeah, like I've always thought that like, sometimes I feel like I'm on a set of Beetlejuice. Like I see the <laughs> characters in real life. Yeah, no, I mean, if you go on the train, it's bound to happen. Yeah, I'm like, yo, I'm like on the set of Beetlejuice. Like, these people look like they fucking belong in Beetlejuice. Um, That's true. I mean, there's, I mean, you could do a whole show just on Beetlejuice, but like, that was an interesting that they took in the fact of people being dead and thinking about that and them interacting with people that are still alive yeah at mediumship if you really dive into it it's really is it's stylized but they are talking about those deeper you know occult issues yeah that was that was just such a cool movie they're supposed to make a remake of that too i know they've they've been saying that for years they've been saying that since since the year I moved to New York, which will be 10 years this coming year, wow. they have been saying, oh, yeah, the remake of Beetlejuice, and every year I get excited. Yeah. I guess now that that would be hard to make. I feel like Beetlejuice, they have to have all the originals. For sure. And that's why they were talking about it, because, like, they had to get Winona Ryder, and now she's famous again, so... <laughs> yeah. Also on our list, we have The Witches, which they re- which was 1990 with Angelica Houston, mm-hmm. and they re and they made the new version of that this year with Anne Hathaway. I watched that. That was really interesting. <laughs> it was good. I like the new version. It's good. Okay, I have to watch. I it. liked it. I like that they brought in one people of color and different aspects mm-hmm. of. Uh, so that it wasn't so like whitewashed like it was before mm-hmm. and then also it just like was visually pretty now the story in general like I think it's hard for me because it's a bunch of like mice running around <laughs> <laughs> oh and we also talked about how we've been in like meetings with like 
<laughs> with like leaders, chef or like bosses, where they're kind of like that. The witches in those movies, and they like pulled their face off. So yeah. I kind of like connected in that way too. But yeah, no, the new one's really good, and the old one. I mean, again, they even though she was like she presented as ugly at one point, where she pulled back her face, mm-hmm. she still was like amazing and Jellica Houston before that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about the next movie in 1991, The Adams Family? Mm-hmm. Again, that's Angelica Houston, so she must have been on a roll, getting she, cast a little bit yeah, there. Yeah, she was, she was amazing. You know why? Because she had such a versatile look, and she, like, you didn't know it was her. Like, for a long so, time, I didn't know that was her playing one or the other like i thought they were different people and who is this she plays somebody else and i had no idea like she has a very very um she she just blends she in can transform like she's yeah. a shapeshifter a shapeshifter or what do you call those people <laughs> where they can literally blend in a chameleon or something like that like she's kind of like a chameleon yeah like she could literally and and she takes over her roles i just been reading up about her i forgot that she 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 was with jack nicholson for a long time too she speaking of jack nicholson they dated they were like together for a long time oh my god that's insane could you imagine they kind of like the same person, actually. I can see how they would but, like them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so also the Adam, also Adam's family, Wednesday was Kathleen's influence for the nineties look. Mm-hmm. But Adam's family is nineteen ninety three, and then uh, Adam's family. Oh no, Adam's family values was nineteen ninety three, and then Adam's family was nineteen. So just like that whole like dark look and you know thinking about <clears throat> occult figures or you know cousins and kind of having this dark tones to it but it not being it being comical was another thing that they set up in the 90s as yeah, well yeah it was like this dark humor wow now that i think about Adam- it 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 really did the adam's family so if he came out in 1991, which you're right, movies came out like what one or two years later. So we had that yeah. run, and then I think they even had some after 1993. But literally, they played like every day on TV. Totally, because it was like HBO. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then we also had Bram Stoker. Stoker's. Dracula in 1992, uh, oh and then Vampire God. in Brooklyn in 1993. So those are two vampire movies. I did not know Vampire of Brooklyn came out in 93. I don't know why I thought they came out in like 96 or something like that. It came out in 93. Maybe wow. when you got the VHS, that was 96. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> wow. So, okay, so... Dracula came well, that's out what's in ninety two. Interesting, because you think about Dracula, so then they were probably like, "Oh, well, vampires are in now," and then you know, Adam's family is coming out, so then they're like, "Let's put out Vampire in Brooklyn ninety three. 
and then Interview with a Vampire, which I know is one of your faves. Oh, my God. So it's just, it's just thinking about what the studios, what was trending in mm-hmm. that time period in the 90s and, like, it evolving. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, those, like, the Dracula and the Interview with the Vampire. And then you have to think of all the books that were out, all the Anne Rice for sure books and things like that so gosh the 90s were just so precious <laughs> because speaking like, of precious focus pocus in 1993 oh my I gosh mean, like, like that changed what witches are like too that that, that was so much fun that was so much fun like i put a spell on you yeah <laughs> And that, like, also took them into a different... I mean, they were kind of... No, they were beautiful. Once they took their, like, potion or, or like, sucked the souls out of the children or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just having, like, sex in the city, they're just the park they're in it, you know? Like, made you think about witches differently as well. Yeah. It, that that so, was but, such a good movie. Such a Such a good time in our childhood yeah and there's a lot of things as we're going to get into the craft you're going to see that like a lot of the spells and stuff are based off of historical context like i definitely feel like with hocus pocus there's like historical context behind that like books of the dead or like bringing back spell books or you know yeah. curses on spell books and all of that are like based off of real things you know yeah so then in 96 we had the crucible with Winona Ryder. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you've seen that one. That's when we were getting a little bit more literature based. I've seen that, but that's a movie that I've seen and I've forgotten about. Like yeah, I, I watched it recently. How was it? It was good. It was. It was I mean, I love it. I love Winona Ryder. So yeah. I think that it it put in. What's interesting about The Crucible as a story when it comes to witches is that it talks about, it's like who is actually doing the manipulating and the witchery. Like they they, tell, they say that Winona and her her friends or whatever are the witches, but it's really the other girls who are, who are claiming that they're witches. They're actually the evil people. Right. You know, they're actually the ones that are like gaslighting the other witches yeah gaslighting the other girls and like they're actually the eviler people so it's a really interesting story about how you know again othering people and manipulation yeah and it's and it's a classic i mean like that and it's based off of real life history of witches so i'm gonna have to watch that again i and then one that's less based off of history is Sabrina the Teenage Witch which mm. was a TV show and yeah. that came out in 96 and I guess went to 2003 that sounds like a long time that was a long time <laughs> I liked that show yeah and it definitely made it like lighter and it was like a teenage thing again. yeah like, that that was such an amazing show it's completely different from the new version of sabrina which i also for love sure. i i love that show actually is it coming back out should we come back out this season 
I think, yeah, I think I heard the book next session of the new show is coming back out soon. Okay. And Sabrina was based off of comics that were, I think, like Archie comics as well, too. Like it yeah. was from the same people, mm-hmm. or she was a side character or something like that. So yeah, it's really interesting about that as well. That is really interesting because they never touched base on that in the series from the 90s, but you definitely see it heavily in the new sure. series, which is really And cool. then The Craft, my fave, came out in 96. Yes. Which we'll get into. Then I also have Eve's Bayou in 1997. That's showing a different type of, you know, it's less pointed hat like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and it was more like voodoo yeah I I really liked it that took place in New Orleans right I want to say yeah, I think Samuel Jackson yeah Louisiana I like anything that takes place in New Orleans. I think New Orleans is... Lynn Whitfield? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's such a mysterious, beautiful, culturally just beautiful place. Yeah, we have to go. (laughs) I know. I want to go so bad. I want to go in December, but I'm like, I can't do that. I mean, you gotta go in the summertime. That's the whole point of, like, the summer. I I know, but it's super hot in the summer. And for some reason, (laughs) I like traveling. It's so weird. I love traveling in the winter. You're a winter winter. (laughs) I think so. I I really (laughs) enjoy traveling in the winter versus the summer. Maybe maybe your witch disguise is, like, a big coat. A big coat with, like, a scarf. And yeah, and I'm like fascinated with coats too. Like, oh yeah, oh you used to make a lot of coats. Yeah, in college. she was like, she was the coat girl. Andy, I still do. Like, I'm literally. <laughs> I, you know, what's so funny is last year I had, I had the choice to either for my birthday last year either go to an island or go somewhere that was like cold right i was like i don't want to go to that island like who goes to an island in the winter i want to go somewhere i want to go to (laughs) i think a lot of people do but (laughs) i was like i want to go to france and i want to you know like wear my long pea coat with my doc martens and walk around this the city of paris I mean, that sounds cool. That's like a fancy. <laughs> and yeah, so I chose to go there because I got to wear like my winter coats. <laughs> that you was like one through. of the... That's your transformation witch look. I you love the coat. I know. You're a coat witch. It's, it's so bad. Like I, I want to make a book called The Art of Coating, where it's like you just have a coat for every emotion you have like whatever you're feeling that day that's what type of coats you should wear because honestly people see you more in coats because like when you're outside like when when you're inside the same people this is a big big theory (laughs) 
<laughs> now get this when you're inside like you know when you go to work whatever yeah you see the same people they don't matter but like when you're outside guess who sees you a lot of strangers and you never know who you yeah. run into so you have a coat that's like that's your attitude you're wearing your personality this is very New York of you, this whole conversation. Really? And I'm like, when I'm outside in Chicago, I guess I see people. But usually, it's like, not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I like don't want my good coat on the train platform. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like... Especially during quarantine, somebody might cough on your coat. <clears throat> <laughs> Let's stay on topic, though. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> What about Buffy? Buffy. Oh my gosh, such a classic. You know, I, I started to watch I don't know if she's on um is it on Hulu or Net I think it's on Netflix. Anyway, no, I it was on Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah. Anyway, she um just watching those episodes, man, just total nostalgia. All of this is total totally. nostalgia. Like I could literally Did you hear about how Sally Pardon, like, she actually was one of the producers behind the TV show of Buffy the Vampire. No. She was, like, a silent producer, which is so interesting. She must have seen the movie or read the books and, like, been interested in it. She's also kind of mysterious. enough of that, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, she's a witch or a vampire, for sure. Definitely. I can <laughs> she has a great totally podcast. Does she? She has a great podcast about her as well. Yeah. I had to listen to it. You should listen to it. Yeah, Buffy was great, and there were witches and vampires, and again, teenage, and ones that you would kind of want to be like, like Willow was the witch, and I can't remember her girlfriend's name in the show, but... Yeah. The show was just really... It had similar characters in the whole realm of... This is like when you're starting to get into that world where there's the same actors in every movie, too. Yeah. Like, Beth Green is in this one, like, Screens and all the other movies, you know, mm -hmm. and, or like you know, Michelle Geller is from Cruel, Cruel Intentions, so you know, uh, Cruel Intentions. Gosh, that's one of my that's favorite kinda, movies. Kind of Halloweeny. Yeah, and, uh, I feel like all of the movies sort of kind of had that dark factor to it, whether it was obvious true. or or not so obvious, but I. Again, like the movies from the 90s and the early 2000s. And then from then on, everything just got lost in translation. Because I feel like... Oh. But I don't even think it's just with... No, it is. I feel like there was a... Dis... Like a detachment from teen movies. Like it went from it was all about teens in the the eighties and nineties, and mm -hmm. the early two thousands, and then after that it was like okay, there's no no more teens. Like teens don't exist. Well, I think like comedies, I think like comedies just changed too. Like yeah. a lot of these movies, like even though the craft was, all these movies were still comedies in a lot of ways. They still had jokes and had mm -hmm. like a you know. You would have dark tone. It was like a tone, but like everything kind of was changing. Things had to be super hyper real and visuals, and you know, there like there's a little bit of camp mentality in all of these movies we're discussing. Yeah. And I think a little 
when things started getting a little too real after that. I don't know. But people love their movies from different decades too. So we're just like partial to this. So hopefully the list, yeah. hopefully the creepsters agree with us. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next movie is in 1998, which is Practical Magic, which is kind of like the craft only with like grown ups. Mm-hmm. But they're like our age now, so it's like. <laughs> I watched Practical Magic like a couple years ago, and I was like, I think it's time for me to move on from the craft and now be in Practical Magic. <laughs> yeah, Practical <laughs> Magic is like, so good. Which basically is like I need to date now. Like that's what practical magic is. Living with your aunt. <laughs> Definitely, it was such a good movie. I think in college, I when DVDs still existed, that was one of the only DVDs I had. So I would it play good. it. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. That's a that's definitely a classic. And again, those like witches they represented in there were beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like their their powers were something that was, you know, something that they were learning and trying to harness, and it was part of the family lineage. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that is really interesting as well. I would definitely say that practical magic was a result of the craft and Sabrina and everything that came before it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And the rise of Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah, and that was definitely Yeah, that was definitely their prime. And I don't think they had ever played roles like that or since actually. So that was really cool yeah, I don't know. to see them. I mean, Sandra Bullock was like driving a bus, like in speed. Oh, she couldn't get off the bus. Yeah, <laughs> remember that? Oh, those action movies. Oh. And the next they have, next they have Charmed, which definitely was a, was them being like, ooh, the craft is really popular. Let's make the charm. Uh, Let's make Charmed. I actually yeah. tried to rewatch Charmed, and I did rewatch Charmed. I never watched it to begin with. I was, I don't know why I didn't like that show when I was younger, but really? as an adult, I like. I think it's because they're adult. Like so, Charmed didn't connect with me because they were doing very adult things. Mm-hmm. Like they're like running their own businesses, and I'm like, you go, witch. But like I wasn't <laughs> ready for it when I was like 17. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> The good thing about Charmed is that every, every something really bad happens, but then it always opens back up on like San Francisco, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> they might have had to kill like a warlock, but then at the end of the scene, it's always like everything's all right. We still live in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of drama with Charm, though. Oh they, my gosh! Like, yeah, they had so much drama, and it's like. Dude, nobody was, like, paying you guys attention. Why do I have all that drama? Well, I mean, I think that they were... There's a big issue with it was all-female cast and a very female, you know, mentality in the show. And, like, they never had any, like, female directors on it. And they... All of the actresses have spoken up about that. And that is wrong of them, so... Mm-hmm. But now they're still fighting with the, like, new cast which I thought was interesting because there's the new charm. They're fighting they're with the new like, charm? There's like Instagram posts of them 
fighting about which one is better. Wow. Not that I want to get into that. Then the next one is... <laughs> <laughs> the next, you can Google it, people. And then the next one is The Blair Witch Project, which is where we end this lineage of 90s movies. And yeah. I love The Blair Witch Project. I dressed up as one of the people for <laughs> Halloween. I, like, just tore my clothes and wore a co- I wore a coat. You probably would have liked the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really into the Blair Witch Project and it was like it defined you know a certain type of docu- mockumentary type of movie yeah and the, and the handheld or whatever the, the handheld camera or the camera that you know is jittery and first person yeah the whole what paranormal investigating that's when sure. that became like the thing in that movie whoever did the marketing for that was genius Brilliant. like Brilliant, super sure. super genius because i remember i think i was more terrified by even before watching the movie because of how they promoted the movie like the yeah like you thought it was real like i think i went right when they had stuff that wasn't real but like up until that point, I thought it was real. Yeah, like, everybody, thought it was real. everybody thought it was real. Like, I have to watch that now that I'm an adult because, like, back then, like, we was like, "What is going on? This is real." And people were like, "No, it's not." And they were like, "Oh wait, it is. It's real." They were just brilliant in how they did that, and I thought that now, if I watch it, it's probably really stupid. But back then, I don't think so. I think it's still good. But then really? again, I'll fight for the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there's ele- again, there's elements of real, like, or they tried to talk about, you know, witches and spells and curses. And they kept on trying to go a certain way in the movie. And, and the, you know, the compass was pointing them so they couldn't get out. Mm, mm-hmm. Kind of like this whole level of you know, feeling lost and isolated, which I feel like they did really well with in that yeah. movie. And then the last thing I have on here, which isn't a movie, well, they did have a TV show, but just the fact that Goosebumps yes. was out from 92 to 97, that was, like, something that also talked about this, like, stylized version of a cult or monsters and vampires, and they just did it in a really fun way they did and they had like some really amazing episodes with different creatures like the oh, gnomes like clowns <laughs> oh yeah the gnomes like yeah, that was my had really... favorite that was my favorite episode of course it was <laughs> i'm just like oh my god gnomes like do you guys You're like see somebody this? somebody sees me <laughs> But the gnomes were really cool. Weren't they? I think that's probably where my obsession came from. Because I was just like... You see, my, my favorite one was Be Careful What You Wish For. And again, it's all about witches. I just love the witch. <laughs> and like the crystal ball. And it was all be like, don't do magic incorrectly. Yeah. Otherwise, you might, otherwise, you might like, you know, regret it. Yeah. And there were like three of those. I remember being terrified, though, though reading those books. But it did get kids to read, which I do think was a great thing at the time. Yeah, books were amazing back then. 
wow we were we were in a really cool time because they don't make books like that now for kids i don't think well they could we just don't we don't have any kids, so oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? I don't think so because I go to the Barnes and Nobles mm-hmm. and they have like the whole section of like the science fiction and the horror and like the yeah. the young goth. They they really don't have they don't have books. Like I remember well, when I mean we were like younger, Goosebumps turned into like Harry Potter. And then, like, Twilight. So it's, like, that's a little older than Goosebumps. But in general, those but are no the kids. I'm trying to get. Yeah, they don't have, like... I would say Harry yeah. Potter is still a kid book. Yeah, know? no. So, like, I would say the same reason. Yeah, the, definitely. Like, I, re- I think what Harry Potter became famous in 96, 97. Yeah. I... I could. I Harry didn't... Potter was later, wasn't it? No, because you know why I remember is because when Princess Diana passed away, that's when that uh-huh. whole. Did she pass away in '97? Yeah, that's I'm when the sure. the whole sensation. Oh, you're right. Of, you are right. Of Harry Potter started because. Um, the writer was on Oprah. It that all happened okay. around the same time, and it was like this You're huge right. thing. And like, they were damn, that's so crazy how like marketing <laughs> connects everything. You're really right because I didn't put Harry Potter in here. I think I found out about Harry Potter a little later. I remember my aunt giving me the book. Yeah, but there were already like three books out by then. So you're right. Yeah. The Philosopher's Stone came out in '97, which is just like a couple which is the year after that was before even practical magic or that the same year as buffy came out wow wow so thinking about that like all a lot of these content came out during the same time and they all kind of have that same tone to them you know yeah or the tone that we're like used to wow they were so creative back then like they were on a roll compared to like how things have slowed down today as far as these very trendy occult movies they they were like on it back then i think a lot of things are more serious now or like there's Mm -hmm. like camp isn't really understood anymore and everything is like has to be really slick and like you know like real killers and it's more like violence in some ways now but i don't know i mean there's still great things that i see you watch american horror story though and you're like uh, this is so like i love american horror story but it's really dark and really messes with you yeah it's more yeah you're right it's like more psychological and i think you know what killed all of these type of movies is the introduction to reality tv is what killed yeah, it that's true, so. and then the whole in technology honestly because totally. people I was gonna say, like movies aren't even important anymore it's like <laughs> is it on tiktok yeah like, oh social media definitely killed movies and then totally. all the apps that you could watch everything off of like the craft i spent 25 dollars to watch that last night Let's not talk crap about it yet. No, I'm not. I'm not talking crap. I actually bought well, yeah, it. No, I bought 20, it. Twenty-five dollars is a lot. 
Because imagine, like, I mean, I a lot of that has to do with quarantine being happening right now. Otherwise, they would have had them at the theater for sure. But probably I not. That I think the that they're. I think that they're um, they're getting with the times now. Like, but then again, you are right. It probably would have been at the movies. I could see it yeah. on either on Amazon because it's super trendy and. A lot of young people have more access to apps than they do to get into a movie theater. True. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It could be either way. I definitely think that, like, because they can't release movies now in yeah. theaters, they have these digital ways to do it, which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, if families want to want to, if the families want to sit down and watch a movie, you may want to go to the theater and yeah. watch it in your living room, you know? Yeah, so I guess they do have to at least get some money for it because you got to think, like, what, a ticket is $15 now per person? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, this is leading up to our focus, which is on The Craft, which came out in 1996. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I found a a lot of information about this. There was more information that I thought because there's a lot of backstory about how they came up with the content and some of the occult uh, spells and information. They had hired a technical advisor named Pat Seven, who mm-hmm. was a uh, elder priestess and mm-hmm. was on the council for Covenant of the Goddess. So we'll get back into that. Wow. Um, wow, right? Right? Yeah. Um, but here, I'll set the scene. The Craft is a 1996 American supernatural horror film directed by Andrew Fleming and distributed by Columbia Pictures. It was written by Andrew Fleming as well and Peter Filardi and stars Robin Tunney, Frieza the Bulk, my fave, mm-hmm. Nev Campbell, likes her too, Rachel True, love her. I mean, I love Robin Tunney too. Mm-hmm. And the story follows a group of four outcast teenage girls at a fictional Los Angeles Catholic high school who pursue witchcraft for their own gain, but soon encounter negative repercussions. Mm. Sound familiar? Yep. You've seen that? So then we were going to talk about our personal influences. So yeah, I kind of, I can touch on the fact that when I was a kid and I saw that movie, I definitely was like, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to see this in the theater. I want to see this with my cousin. I want to, uh, I don't know, I want to be a witch. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember things of me taking like little jars of soil and, you know, feathers and, or stuff like that and like putting them in like little jar- jars in my room or like little pockets of you know, little bags and, like, doing little spells. Even before I saw the movie, I think it just, like, inspired me to, like, think about the earth or, you know, like, think about witchcrafty spells. Now, I was, like, really young, pretty young to be doing these things. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, later I connected with friends that were also into the movie as well. And I've also had a lot of, like, things in my life now which it makes sense i mean i've like talked to my therapist about this movie (laughs) (laughs) so i mean but i've had things in my life that you know like i have levels of mediumship that i feel like i deal with or 
have the abilities towards or just thinking about I've had a lot of people that have died in my life as well so like getting those messages yeah all of those things kind of I feel like started a long time ago when I was a kid and the movie really like aided that along you know that kind of like you know helped condone and influence that yeah now the movie's kind of dark for <laughs> little kids though but yeah. I'm here now, right? Yeah. And I'm talking about it. This one's great. Back then, it was different because, I mean, all these different movies that were listed tonight, we had already seen. So by the time totally. we saw The Craft, I mean, like, I think... Yeah, Interview with the Vampire, yeah. you know, like, the little girl, like, eating somebody it's like you are we had already kind of been <laughs> and, and, or then whatever. On, and then on top of it we were already reading the books like the goosebumps series and for sure there were and there's there other was, time periods that were dark like fairy tales in general like, yeah you know? and then even the tv shows you had the x-files you had tales oh, from true, the crypt yeah. you had um the outer limits there was that's all that actually that's literally what we grew up on and it was super cool oh after yeah, no, I'm i looking saw, at yours now too. yeah after <laughs> i saw the craft i had i don't remember it was my mom or my grandparents i had them take me to toys r us and get me a ouija board i think it was a pink one uh-huh. and oh, yeah. <laughs> And I used to have these sleepovers in the summer. That's all we did in the summer was have slumber parties. So we would either use the Ouija board or we would we would do what what's that called? Um, we would play that game where you would go into the bathroom and say Bloody Mary. Oh yeah. You guys were dark. <laughs> We were like insane, and then we were also. This was also around the time when, like, um, what was that other movie that was like so impactful? Harriet the Spy. So, besides being a creepy kid, I also wanted to be like investigator. Uh Yeah, like a spy in the neighborhood I lived in. It was all these big beautiful trees and big beautiful houses right and Mm -hmm. but it was like surrounded by nature and they just looked super mysterious so i would go and drag my sister along with me and we would walk through the neighborhood for hours and just be like oh this house is haunted let's write down this address and then we'll come back tomorrow and see if we see anyone peeking out the window and then we would like (laughs) write it down and we would, we would have like little reports and then we made a little office. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like I did stuff like this too. Cause do you remember the show Ghost Rider? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like I remember like doing this, being an investigator about like ghost hunting <laughs> with my like friends in the basement. And we were like doing like deviation things. Even, uh, deviation things. We were like trying to like uh like have a rope and if it swings a certain way towards oh, you know wow. the door or something like that yeah or maybe this was you know what it probably was just me 
was pushing this because probably my friends were like, uh, no. It sounds like you were into it, too. You were like, look, my mom got me this Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that... But no, that's awesome. Yeah. I. Wow. Yeah, that was... Those were cool times, but definitely the craft was like, wow, this, it had opened up my eyes to, yeah, to like so many different things. And it was like, was I like a preteen back then? I'm trying to think. I was, yes, I was a preteen. I was a preteen when that came out. So imagine like the fashion and just the aesthetic of, the whole the just the whole mood from being the catholic cat actually i was in catholic school too and we had to wear you're like you're like living the actual (laughs) i guess when i think about it it's like i'm a gay male too so like i was thinking about these things and i definitely feel like there's a queer aesthetic to the movie yeah queer people love the movie but i wasn't like living it verbatim because i wasn't a woman you yeah. know you were like actually like in catholic school <laughs> having sleepovers like you're doing the actual thing no you know what i was in catholic school for elementary i wasn't okay. in, i wasn't in catholic school for then but i knew the whole like setup of that like catholic school and your rosary and that stuff wasn't like fashionable but I mean, yeah. if I would have pulled my skirt up, it would have been, like, or cut it, like, maybe three or four inches. For sure. With yeah, the so, like, high. we should jump into that part where yeah. we're talking about, it was redefining witches, which I say, we are the weirdos, mister. Yeah. So, it was bringing youth culture into the coven. Mm-hmm. So, I was... So I was reading up on it, I was talking about prides for that, they represented witches as old and warded or ugly or like solitary in their houses, like alone, you know? Yeah. And then in the 90s, we kind of like changed that whole dynamic, which is what we talked about before. And we were also, you and me had discussed that it also was just the rise of the teen movie during that time in the 90s. So like there were movies coming out like Clueless or Empire Records or Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm can't hardly wait and she's all that and the faculty this is our other list of just regular movies yeah um that we're creating this like teen movie aesthetic that then was mixed with this occult interest that was going on in the 90s and created this whole youth culture yeah and then i also think they use like the ideas of punk and outsider culture from before that and it turned into um, like this whole like look and feel. Like they were kind of like badass. Mm-hmm. I also wrote this too that they talk really mean and like kind of cutty and pass no dresses to each other. Like I just watched the movie. We both watched the movie for uh, we started recording. Yeah. And like just like little things where it's like, do you know how to use a candle? And she's like, yeah, you light the wick. You know, it's like, why can't you just answer? Yeah. <laughs> but they are teens, so I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, I think that was the whole thing. Is like, you know, we were different humans <laughs> as, sure. yeah. as teenagers. Like, we always, like, it was just all attitude and emotion. 
that we didn't totally. know how to control. So. And that's really what the movie was about, too. It was, like, about female protagonists yeah. and, like, being a new girl at the at school and trying to find your, like, new friends. Somebody yeah. said something funny, too, where they were talking about how, how come in all these teen movies you, like, the new girl finds her, like, new group of friends the first day. Because that does happen. Like, it a does. new girl that happens, clueless. Jawbreaker. Yeah. The craft. It's all basically the same movie in some way. Yeah. <laughs> it all it all has the same the same focal point. I think that um watching it tonight. Yeah. Gosh, it brought back so many memories. And just I don't know, like you had made a point we're gonna get into the new craft that just came out yesterday. Um, just the way that the girls in the original craft looked. And you made a point that none of them were actual teens when the movie was made. For sure. But yeah. I feel like... I feel like they still represented teens. Like, they looked like teens. Whereas the girls in the new movie look like preteens. So they Yeah, it's hard because like back in the day they used to use older people to play teens. I think yeah. that's partly because they wanted to like sexualize them and make it sexual yeah. type of movies, you know? And yeah. it not be creepy that we were looking at underage people, but it was still presenting on like we still saw them as children like even like american pie or whatever yeah so those people were older but they were supposed to be teenagers yeah exactly but, but but then again in the craft you do look at them as sexy and like badass and the hot girls and it's like you know that was part of it in yeah some ways, you know exactly let's see what else here i have this quote from robin sunny and the feature she said that the other girl, like, it's all about trying to find your, like, tribe as a teen mm-hmm. and how it molded our personalities. And she talked about how Sarah, the new girl, she, the rest of the girls were a little bit more wild than she is and a bit more dangerous. They go to bad neighborhoods and stay out late. I think anything that is dangerous is potentially exciting, especially when you're 17. That was mm-hmm. a quote she said about playing that character. Mm-hmm. And I totally connect with that because, like, yeah, the whole movie was kind of about rebelling and, you know, being yeah. with your friends and, like, finding yourself. Were you a rebel when you were 17? Um, no, not really. I was, like, <laughs> I was more I was. of, like, a, I was a homebody. And I think at yeah. 17, I was, like, literally getting ready to, like, send off my portfolio to like the art colleges and stuff so i was kind of one of yeah. those little nerdy homely girls yeah yeah, yeah you were a coat you were a coat witch <laughs> you were more you were more you were more like sabrina you know like hanging out at home i totally was i love you know my favorite place to be was like in my room reading books and like and also i really love to sleep 
to the point where my parents oh. thought like something was wrong with me and like i just love oh. to sleep like what's wrong with that but yeah, yeah i love no. to read books and and just watch movies like this <laughs> well totally i mean that's what movies are good for because they like give you the whole reality so you get to live yeah. out these i mean like again it's like i had a crazy teenage years but i wasn't like a teenage girl living in LA, you know. Oh my God! Could I didn't you live imagine? in a I didn't live a, in a big mansion like that either. Yeah. My life is more like Nancy's life. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I had a fine life, but yeah, no. These movies help you like live out these different feelings. You know? Yeah. Really so the next did. part we have is about fashion. Mm-hmm. So I thought this would be great for you, bringing up the doc fact fashion and outsider culture yeah i kind of put down the school girl gone bad and diy embellishments of the catholic uniform mm-hmm. i think the school girl was already like coming up because of like clueless and you know and then later britney spears was like a school girl but like i really do think that in this movie they like took it was is a rebellion of them taking the uniform and like pulling it up or like wearing mm-hmm. a halter top with it definitely and then we have what all the trendy stores like hot topic and spencer's oh, and ricky's and claire's i remember like you couldn't get into spencer's unless you were a certain age <laughs> or you had oh, to be really? with an adult yeah and it was just this so was a, cool. this was a different time obviously <laughs> They had, like, restrictions on barrettes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Spencer's was that, like, raunchy store that sold. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It sold, like, what? I think it sold Hot Topic clothing, too. But it also sold, like, like, dildos and stuff. Yeah. Lava lamps, and I think you can get a piercing there. Like, you just like one stop shop if you wanted to, like, all of a sudden be a little goth head. Like, that's where you went. Yeah, totally. It made it easy for you to just go to the mall and all of a sudden be like, all of a sudden you're feeling like Nancy, you know, (laughs) going down the the escalator. Like, I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh. In the culture of like going to the mall. That's so weird um, now. Like I have friends that call me out for being a mall person. So, <laughs> but I definitely was a mall person. Do they I love s- the mall. Do they still exist in Chicago? No, the mall the malls all died a while ago. No, I, <laughs> I did go the mall I did go to the old mall that I went to when I was a child. It was called North Riverside. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sad recently because now like everybody shops online, so it's like you don't have to go to a store. Yeah. Know? There were a lot of places that were like closed down. Wow. I mean this was before quarantine too, so Yeah. But like those like nostalgic times and remembering going and shopping with your friends. I mean, above you made the quote of the five one of the phrases from the movie was like the five finger discount. So like Yeah. Feeling was a big part of the movie as well. <laughs> I never did that. Maybe <laughs> never did that. <laughs> the other thing that I found out as a director wanted them to look like the Cure, and also like, and then Susie and the Banshees, who mm. one of Susie's songs is in the movie too. So that was like the base mm-hmm. that they wanted 
it to be uh like the looks to be set yeah. off of that yeah. also was the movie the crow came out during that time as well which is also based off the cure yeah so that makes a lot of sense and then i had a lot of look at a lot of look books mm-hmm. about the uh the looks and they kept on talking about Nancy's PVC coat. That was like a big thing. And then I remember mm-hmm. chokers. You have hair clips. Yeah. Doc Martin. Yeah. Rosaries. Charms bracelets. Yeah, all those things are really kind of created this whole look that I we still see like I've seen kids out nowadays and they're mm-hmm. wearing that look and I wanna be like, Do you know that's from the craft? Or do you know it's from <laughs> you know your fashion history <laughs> exactly but, like, but we were wearing like bell bottoms back then like our like our parents and stuff too so. yeah i almost forgot while you were mentioning the different trends um that was also mm-hmm. around the time when the spice girls were out and like that's true too man Beautiful, beautiful times, man. Well, things are like less. It's, it's all in perspective because I don't know what it's like to be nowadays. People are probably like, I love a video camp. You know, I love a <laughs> selfie. Yeah. It's, like, I love selfie. I feel like now, t- the times now are just, everything is so instant. And well, it's good that we have this nostalgic podcast <laughs> to talk about the whole thing. Exactly. So, are we done talking about clothes? Do you have anything (laughs) more to say about the look? Just, I loved her coat. Like, in that scene was just epic. Like, them, what were they coming out of, like, the school yard or something? She has Yeah, that part where they're, like, or that part where they're, like, walking to the song. Yes. And, like, they all have their different looks, and they all kind of, you know, it's kind of like that Destiny's Child moment, where they all have different looks, but they all fit together, you Ew, know? do not, do not compare them to Destiny's <laughs> Anyway, they were like a girl band. And they were all, like, so beautiful. Like, seeing that scene, I was like, damn, totally. that must have been, like, for the directors, they must have been like, this is, like, so cool. Like, the way they shot that, it, it just looked so well thought out. And they yeah. were all beautiful and different at the same time. It was really cool. You're right visually. about, like, the Spice Girls in that way, where it's, like, they each had their own, like, character. Yeah. Know? They each And, like, I have that later on, where it's, like, they each kind of represented a different type of girl. Yeah. You know? Or a different kind of, like, problem that they exactly. were going through. Yeah, and I liked um, with this is that they all were completely different. Like, they look different. And yeah. they all and they all were equally beautiful. Like, I would want to be either any of the characters. Because they, they just embodied themselves, like, 100%. So. And that yeah, a lot of people epic. talk about, like... Nancy and how great she looked, and she did. I mean, she defined like a look, but like all the girls had like really cool looks, like the suspenders, the like, you know, like Nev Campbell walks in after she gets her like scars taken away, and she's like got a short sleeve 
skirt, oh, like a short sleeve shirt. And yeah. She, sits down and she looks amazing, like in this like makeover moment. You yeah. Know? <clears throat> it was just, it was just awesome. great. I mean, I wish I was a girl back then, but I just <laughs> was, I was one in my head. Like I said, I was Nancy going down the escalator at the, at the mall. So then the next subject, <laughs> the next subject is what well, that the magic that they put in the movie mm-hmm. was Wiccan or pagan magic, and that they hired Pat Bevan as a technical advisor. Mm-hmm. She was a Deanic elder priestess and first officer of the Southern California Local Council of Covenant of the Goddess. Wow. So I have this cool interview. Uh, where she talks about making the movie from her own voice. So I'm going to be quoting some of the things that she says with this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, the article, you can find it online if you want to like find the whole article. Mm-hmm. It's an interview with Pat Seven, consultant for the craft. And somewhere in here I have the author of it. But if you Google that, the interview of it, if you Google that, you can find the whole article. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing she's, that I wanted to highlight was that she's, the studio was looking for a witch act as a technical advisor on an up-and-coming project. Mm-hmm. Uh, the production tentatively was called The Craft. The presence of a credible, knowledgeable, and experienced spokesperson whose focus would remain on the reality of a religion could prove vital. Mm-hmm. And she said, honestly, I didn't know the images they had of witches before they met me. I don't know what images they had before they met me. So I suppose I could infer a bit from what was in the script. And then she goes on to say in the script, Lurio, I don't know how to say her name actually, but she's the woman that works in the store. Mm-hmm. She was smiling, creeping, like in the script, they talk about her smiling creepily at Sarah in the shop and the description of the old woman at the back of the shop. So like she was more like at the back of the shop, not this like nice comforting woman that's in the shop. Mm-hmm. as we see it today. Mm-hmm. And she was supposed to be a Spanish, Spanish-speaking, uh, decrepit, crackling hag with the same broken teeth and scraggly hair. That oh, was my gosh. Hair. So <laughs> bringing her in kind of helped, you know, hash out some of these things when they talked about that this is people's religions and these are people's beliefs and mm-hmm. redefining the way that we're talking about witches, as mm-hmm. we have talked about. She also said that her goals for the rituals and chants was that they be authentic, if generic, and that they contain nothing that could be easily found in at least two books or plausibly created by teenage girls. Uh... They did part of it just because they didn't want teenage girls or people reciting these and actually doing actual spells that they could not you know take away wow you know they wanted to kind of have the essence of it but it have but but it being safe enough that the whole point was her goal was to get people to get into this movie and then do their own research on the outside Mm -hmm. you know and redefine Mm -hmm. what we think about it Mm -hmm. but yeah they didn't want it to be a situation where people would be casting spells without knowing it on other people Right. So she found out, once she found out the the script was focused around magical ethics, Mm. so like what you should or shouldn't do, which comes up a lot, like the good and the bad in in the movie, 
mm-hmm. and the consequences of the misuse of powers when it comes to magic, she found that exciting in the script. So she often discussed worry about Hollywood business in general and then misusing, you know, their own directing powers. But she talked about how her, and she also talked about sometimes her suggestions for what they should do were not always taken seriously, but, you know, well, you know, because we work in, you know, business in general, sometimes people don't listen to you, even if you're the expert. Anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought all that was really interesting. And then she told it as, it's, she was also told in something I read that it's Hollywood. It's not intended to be a documentary about the wicked religion. It's intended to make money. It hopefully will be entertaining. Mm. So I thought that that was kind of, interesting for somebody to say but it's real this is a movie this is a horror movie so as much as it is about something the Wiccan religion also at the end of the day stars Mel Campbell and (laughs) is trying to sell Doc Martin (laughs) (laughs) so then we get into this uh, the deity Manon called M-A-N-O-N which was created mm-hmm. for the movie. They created mm-hmm. it for the movie to safeguard so audiences would try, would not try to duplicate the incantations in the movie in real life, mm-hmm. potentially summoning a real deity. So they didn't yeah. want people to like do, to summon anybody actually real. Because like, again, thinking about it, I guess now that we talked about it, we were like, really young you know yeah they also based him often off like an odin like god is something i read Mm -hmm. so so then like talking about who in the in the movie manoa is uh explained by nancy she says no it's like god and the devil i mean it's everything it's the trees it's the ground it's the rocks it's the moon it's everything yeah and then sarah says it's nature and then nancy says it's god and the devil we're playing football Manoa would be the stadium they played on. It would be the sun that showed down on. Mm-hmm. So all of that was an interesting, you know, that's one of the classic lines in the movie. Have you ever yeah. said that before? <laughs> no, I've never said that before, but I noticed that I didn't... It happened so long since I watched that movie that oh, catching yeah. certain phrases that they were saying was really cool this time around. Totally. And then me yeah. reading up on this stuff and then watching it was interesting. I never really knew why they had a different deity, but they did mm-hmm. that as like a safeguard for the movie. So the That's originally, cool. originally the name that they had in the script was Noah, the great deity mm-hmm. Noah. But then mm-hmm. after consulting lists of gods and goddesses and demons or angel or spirit names, they came up with Mano, mm-hmm. which was from a movie, I guess, that had come out in 1986. It mm-hmm. was called Mano de Sources or Mano of Spring. It was, so they so they took it, they didn't steal it. They were inspired by a movie that had come out in 1986 and they just really liked the name, so they went with that. Mm-hmm. And then she also went on to say that it was described as uh, a bigger and older god, God, or bigger and older than the devil, God or the devil, that mm-hmm. he was referred to as she and he at times, 
and that he kind of uh, like a, there was no gender to the god. It was both man and woman as well. But that actually was taken out of the script, I think, probably because it was too hard for people to understand back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if people could totally understand. That would have been, like, the big talk of the whole movie if they would have put that in back then. Yeah, but I thought that was Because, I mean, we're still talking about pronouns now. But yeah. when you go into thinking about spirituality, a lot of the gods of the deities are... Some of them don't have gender, you know, they're both male and female, so. Yeah. That was interesting that that was brought up in mm-hmm. uh, the same game. So then other things that stood out that have real intention behind them was the whole discussion of thinking of needing a fourth. So at one point, mm-hmm. uh, Bonnie says the almanac says today we'll bring an arrival of something, a whole, a wholeness with its new balance of earth, air, fire, water, and she's like, maybe it's our force. So there's this whole discussion of whether or not they need a force. And they, mm-hmm. at one point, she's like, four will make a circle, or one of them yeah. says that. And that is true. When you're doing uh, these spells, or when you're having these covens, it's talked about that having north, south, east, and west at least represented, because you can have more and less people in it, are important in meeting. I was looking up something about um, why the north, west, south, and east is important to witches. Totally. I mean, I know in tarot, or in in general, north represents earth, south represents fire, east represents air, and west represents water, which comes up later when they're going to do the spell or invoking the spirits. Um, Mm -hmm. And all of those are just like the four elements that create the world, you know, so that's part of the reason why they need all four in their theory. There's also a part two where snakes come up a lot in the movie. Yeah. There's a foreshadowing with did you see the snake? Yeah. There's like the man, the scruffy man at the beginning where he, he like brings the snake to her new house. Mm-hmm. And then later he has the snake on the street and then they like hit him with a bus. Yeah. Like, why did they? I was wondering what, what did he say for them to like want to kill him? Well, she, he was after her. Well, she says later, she's like, he was after you. He was coming after you. <laughs> but it was like, because he was like saying that he was like, I had a dream about you. And in my dream, you were dead. <laughs> I know like all the, I know like all the, the words from it. But yeah, you know, if there was a man coming after you, India, in your nice witch coat, carrying <laughs> like, <laughs> a snake, like I would like, be like oh get away from her it just so happened that their brains all went to the same space when they decided <laughs> that the car should hit them but <laughs> but the snake later you but the snakes represent like fire or like snakes the serpent is kind of sometimes i mean some people love snakes so i'm not going to say that all snakes mean negativity but the snake is definitely like in the bible isn't this snake a symbol of evil or yeah so like snakes are just foreboding foreshadowing of like negativity and later you find out that she had been having dreams about snakes too so how did this man know that 
she was having dreams about snakes, you know, or that they were her worst fear. Yeah, so that's all really kind of interesting. Creepy. So then we talk about seeing some of the meanings behind some of the spells that they cast. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down some of the main spells during the movie. Um, the biggest one that everybody talks about is I bind you, Nancy, so binding spells. Yeah. Um, it's, to, it's to stop someone from harming themselves or others, or at least that's what they say in the movie. Um, that's their definition of it. Mm-hmm. And, but binding was mentioned in many ancient texts and even mentioned in the Bible, I found out. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's been all around a long time. Uh, Pat Devin, again, had some things to say about the binding. She said that she knows that Andy, who was the director, which is my name too, but mm-hmm. had never heard of a binding before she had seen the script, before she had suggested it or the or the importance of binding without harm so she kind of takes credit for putting that in the movie yeah um and then i found this other cool article that talked about binding and it was called tread lightly when casting a binding spell by arisa avery it was an article that came out this year Mm -hmm. so she said that binding can be cast through string of words so like you know so people it can be with the actual wrapping string or ribbon or cord around a symbolic object while reciting a spell or chant after setting their intention. Or it could also just be a string of words. So it could be like mm. a metaphorical string that you're putting out into the world. Wow. Um, but mainly in the movie, you see her wrapping the cord around the picture of Nancy, which is the metaphorical or is the, the symbolic object that mm-hmm. represents Nancy. I mean, in the movie, she takes a picture and she like literally cuts Nancy out of the equation of the four girls yeah. and then wraps the string around her. So looking into more about binding, I find out that it was done at big events in the past mm-hmm. and at weddings. An example of it was at a wedding when a bride or groom get married, they'll like tie their wrists together. And wow. that's where the phrase like tying a knot, tying the knot comes from. Wow, so that's I did like not you, know that. Yeah, I learned that. I thought that was really interesting. That's that, so cool. It's like a, you know, traditional symbolic idea of two people being connected. Yeah, that is so interesting. And then they talk about sometimes you combine yourself with your thinking. Like when mm. you think repetitively negative self-talk or you have a fear, you are not able to get out of it. So that's kind of like binding yourself. Wow. Uh, like if you say the same thing, oh, like I'm not good enough or so on, yeah. it will start making you feel stuck or not able to move forward. So you need to be careful with doing binding. Yeah. Wow, that's a good point. I think that I'm sure everyone has done that at some point or another and not have known it yeah i think it's like important when i think that definitely in this movie or in a lot of when you think about magic you want to do magic or spells or even if you're just doing even with tarot it's like you're not supposed to read for other people you're supposed to ethically you're supposed to keep it about yourself you wow. know so or i mean you can I mean, not you can, but people do do it for other people. I mean, people do love spells, which is actually a binding as well. It's a binding to yourself, you mm-hmm. know. 
But when you do stuff with other people, it's not, there's no consent there, which actually the new movie does talk about, which is interesting to talk about the consent when it comes to, with, when it comes to the craft. Yeah. Or the craft. And then I, or I know that a lot of people believe more in, like, when you're talking about the healing, instead of doing binding, just do cord cutting. So it's, it's uh-huh. kind of the same idea where you're connected to another person, mm-hmm. but having intention to cut the, like, power they have over you or you, the obligation you have over the situation or whatever it is, if you were in a relationship or and there's still all those old feelings there, or if you feel like you have to take care of something, mm-hmm. a person or a situation, but you, like, don't can't hold space for that anymore, doing cord-cutting exercises in your brain, yeah, which you can look those up on the internet, is a better way than doing binding, because then you're not, like, shutting down another person instead of being like, hey, that person needs to change. It's more like, hey, how about I forget about this part of that person or this part of that situation. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because I feel like after the movie, a lot of people just started, like, I think the one big takeaway, if you were going to try to do any of the spells, would be the use of the spell, because it was so easy to do, you know? Yeah. So then, another one I have in here was just talking about the ritual when they go to the field, mm-hmm. and they're in the woods and the butterflies come, and they're connecting their powers together to have this, like, coven mentality. That's that first time where, like, Sarah kind of, like, opens up to them. And they're sitting on the blanket. And they also do the blood bond, which is where they cut their hands. And then they drink the blood of each other's blood, which they kind of slyly put in there, but don't talk about that much. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just part of the ritual, but goes along with the coven ritual so i found some information about the blood bond blood mm-hmm. bond was a mystical connection forged between two individuals when one drinks the other's blood i'm thinking like that reminds me of did you ever do this when you were little make a blood pact with someone like your best friend like yeah no each person would totally come. i did right where did we even yeah. get that from like, I think that I think it was just I don't know, right? Like I do think that that is just, obviously that was part of like what people did or whatever. Yeah, I think it's like the show that you're really, in, like you're really trust this other person. Yeah, you know I where I think it started kind of... from. I think the movie It. I think that's where I saw that from. Because they made that pat, remember? They do do that. In, yeah, yeah that is true. That's, that's where I think I saw that. In. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like they're doing a connection spell in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. They're like saying that they're going to do this and stick together. And that's kind of what the whole movie is. Yeah, definitely. So I guess it, it does have the same type of feeling with this. Yeah. But yeah, that was all part of the coven ritual of them like coming together and like putting their powers together and making that connection. And I actually read that that's why later when they try to break up, it's like Nancy's or like the other three are like, we can't break up. We committed to this, you know? Right. Because they had made that, you know, truce together. Yeah. 
So then there's another part in the movie with levitation, which is the big scene where uh, they do the light of the feathers with the board and mm-hmm. Michelle levitates in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also other parts in the movie where there's levitation as well, which is the pencil and glass when that starts spinning. That could be a lot of people in called that levitation as well mm-hmm. um and then at the end where they confront sarah in her house they start levitating nancy is the lead and they start levitating and it's just like shocking moment yeah so then i was reading up about the history of levitation in general and levitation or even flying is the basis of magical powers in many cultures mm-hmm. christianity has used jesus walking on water mm-hmm. other saints levitating as an example mm-hmm. um there's actually the moment in the movie where nancy levitates where she's walking on the water which is kind of like i that was kind of them referencing yeah you know having a deity with inside of yourself and having all that power yeah then later on i read about how mediums often they would have uh mediums talking in situations with audiences and they would have them levitate in front of people just to show like the magic to a group yeah a lot of articles were talking about back in the day that those were all like parlor tricks Mm -hmm. and or and that there were like cords holding them up but a lot of people have thought of levitating and um mediumship or the occult as they all kind of go together yeah and then there's this whole part about uh, levitating when it comes to witches that they talk about how witches often were viewed as like frail or weak and mm-hmm. or, and then also sometimes they would be like bigger or like people that were obese you know you see that like with Hansel and Gretel and there's a mm-hmm. big witch yeah. and that the whole point was that them levitating or them flying on a broom was like contrary Mm-hmm. to them being able to fly like it was supposed to be, like having this older you know this kind of like hag or crone type character flying on a broom was supposed to be shocking mm-hmm. to people like, how is she doing that she's you know that can't be reality right so all of those thinking are part of the reason why you see like witches on broomsticks and there's no broomsticks in the craft but like they do use levitation in the craft in the movie yeah shocking moment yeah i feel like that an element that they use i think in every witch movie at some point levitation is always i mean there's a big moment in hocus pocus where she like flies on the where she flies on the vacuum cleaner to make it new nowadays Mm mm-hmm yeah. So then the next spell we have is the glamour spell, mm-hmm. which is the big moment where she changes her hair color from one color to the next color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so glamour is a form of magic and illusion based on the projection of one's magical energy, altering the awareness of physical form in order to trigger certain emotions. Mm-hmm. It makes objects or living things appear different than they really are. Uh, there's stories about physical illusion that have been around since the beginning of time storytelling. Mm-hmm. Even if you think about Snow White, when the queen doesn't want Snow White to know that it's her, so she uh, eats the apple that changes her 
her into an older crone looking woman just to disguise herself so that mm-hmm. she's like it was her. Yeah. So that's like an example of it being storytelling. Mm-hmm. Shape shifting or the idea of changing your appearance in mythology and folklore and fiction is the ability to physically transform through an inherently superhuman ability, divine intervention, demonic manipulation, sorcery, spells, or having inherited disabilities. The idea of shape-shifting is in the oldest forms of uh, shamanism as well as the oldest existent literature and epic poems such as the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Iliad. The concept remains a common trope in modern fantasy and children's literature and popular culture. So they also talk about like in Greco-Roman times, Narcissus is turned into the Narcissus flower. So there's a lot of things in Roman times where they turn other people into things, but then in this movie, they change their forms. So here's a part that I thought you would like. Fairies? Yes. Witches and wizards <laughs> were all noted for their shape-shifting abilities. Wow. Not, <laughs> not all fairies could shape-shift, and some were limited to changing their size, as with the Spurnians, and others new forms or other fairies might have only the appearance of shape-shifting, though their power called glamour to create illusions. Wow. Witches could turn into hairs. I thought this was just a side note. It said that witches could turn into hairs. Wow. Like hairs as in bunnies. Yeah. Uh, so that they could feel milk and butter. What? I don't know why they. I don't know why they needed milk and butter that badly. Yeah. It did mention that. Wow. And then invoking spirits is the big one where Nancy takes in these and is on the beach and they call the corners and then Nancy takes on the power of invoking spirits. During that mm-hmm. moment, they get together and they all call the corners with north, south, east, and west, west, which is part of many authentic rituals. Mm-hmm. As a supplication of prayer, it implies to call upon a god or a goddess or a person of stress. When a person calls upon a god or a god or goddess and is asking for something, mm-hmm. for example, protection, a favor, his or her spiritual presence in a ceremony, for example, or simply for worship. This can be done in pre-established form or with the invoker's own words or actions. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a part about possession when this can happen. It is used here in its neutral form to mean a state sometimes psychological, in which the individual's normal personality is replaced by another. So there's that one point where Nancy's like, he's in me, and I'm like a different person. It's flowing through my veins. It's almost like she was possessed by the other demon's power at that point. But I mean, that's also invoking a spirit isn't always bad. Like, you do it sometimes to help with a smaller thing. It's just she was taking on such a big... Like she went all the power. You know? Yeah, she started to get greedy. Ask, I mean, like praying is kind of like you asking for, you know, your God's help. But mm-hmm. her trying to take all of it and then not use it for the right purposes mm-hmm. or overwhelming her is really the hard part. Yeah, she wanted to rule the world. Yeah, totally. Then they talk about the power of three times three, which is just kind of a basic idea of karma. Yep. That you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, in the movie they talk about that a lot, where it will come back to you if you put, if you have put out negative energy, you think you're gonna get away with it. I mean, especially in this movie where they're trying to do like love spells, mm-hmm. or you know, they make that girl's hair fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that bad energy that they put out there will come back to you, and something worse will happen to you. And then I also thought at the end is she speaks Sarah the main character speaks with the lady at the shop and they talk about her natural powers that she has and that her family line obviously had witches in it she's like this ring it was your mother yeah that was really interesting yeah so i like like that element of it and then actually that's at the end when she's almost like not to ruin the ending but you should people should watch it yeah. But, like, when she's almost about to, like, die or just succumb to the Nancy, she lays there and looks at that picture of her mother, and then she gets, she tries to invoke the spirit for herself, but in, like, a good light, as a good witch, or a good invoking of the spirit. Yeah. The positive energy. I wanted to touch on, um, on when you were talking about karma, and I wanted to say that their their karma does exist and i not too long ago learned that there's another side of karma so there is two faces to karma you have the good and the bad and then you have something that's called your karmic path so, yeah. whether you, it depends on what it is, whether you did something in this life or your past life, or you are just going through, a, you know, different life cycles, there's karmic cycles. So, let's say you dealt with a really bad relationship or a, yeah. a really bad, a death you were you know grieving that's your karmic cycle for you know whatever amount of time that it takes you to get through that but that's considered karma so it's really interesting to to know because you know everyone that saying has been around for so long like oh that's karma or good old karma is coming to get somebody but yeah, we'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, it's, it's that specific line of three times three, we'll come back to you. Yeah. And in representation and Wiccan practices as well. So it's just, yeah, so like putting out good energy. Mm-hmm. So it just makes you think about like what you're doing a little bit more too and like the intention. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Just, so then there's other parts here that, we're just talking about the strange occurrences that happen on set. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of movies, like our horror movies, talk about how weird things happen. Like there's a huge thing about poltergeist. Yeah. Like all these things that happen that are eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this movie, they pointed out that there was this white owl that followed around the crew throughout the filming. Wow. And they, they said that they kept on seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um from one from one set to another. Mm. 
Um, and then I looked up what a white owl represented because I thought, you know, I thought that'd be interesting. And it said it represents change, transformation, and inner wisdom. Wow. They're often associated with magic and witchcraft because of the nature of supernatural transformation, which includes the cycles of birth and death and leads to spiritual evolution. Wow. So how did that happen to be on set? That is crazy. That's so insane. Yeah. And like, uh, Owl, they're like, where were they at in Cali where uh, Owl was? Like, on set. I I came, I flew in. Talking about Harry Potter, it's kind of like that too. Yeah, that's really crazy. Well, then here's another one. The crew used live creatures. Because special effects costed more money back then. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't a movie that had a huge bu- budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I re- to me, it's my favorite movie, so it could have been had the hugest budget. But I didn't, but it actually didn't. So there were certain times where they just used real bugs, snakes, and other creatures during the scene. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, for example, at the end where they were trying to scare Sarah, mm-hmm. they spilled a bunch of bugs and you know, like any scene where there's actually bugs on her, there mm-hmm. was a there was an element of snakes or bugs around her. Yeah. Um, around the actual actress. And they were the all real. Yeah. Damn. It said that there. The thing from Huffington Post is that there were ten thousand snakes that were used on the set. Oh my along god. Along with ro- roaches and mice, you know, because at the end, right, there's all those like horrible creatures that are yeah. scaring her. Oh my gosh. Could you have done it? Hell no. <laughs> There's this quote that Robin Tunney said that she had rats stumped on her head and that there were scenes of hundreds of snakes. She said she asked Andrew if they were actually going to do these with real snakes and he said, Did you read the script? And she said, I thought they were going to be fake. Mm-mm. So they got, they got her. Yeah, I remember that scene. All those snakes were real. Yeah. Damn. Well, yeah. I mean, when they're coming out of her fingers, Nancy's fingers at the end, you can tell those ones are real. But in general, they're all real. Yeah. And then there was another creepy incident that they kept on they kept on setting the scenes for the movie, and it was supposed to be good weather, and then it would like rain. Wow. And, like, so the forecasts were wrong. And that's really interesting, too, because of, like, the lines in the movie where they're, like, it just started raining with my emotions. So, like, maybe the whole, like, feel of the movie was changing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were, yeah, like, maybe they were invoking something just from making the movie. Yeah. Putting all that energy together. And then when they talk about the part where they're invoking the spirit at the beach, they kept on setting everything up. And they had talked to a specialist about when the tide was going to come in mm-hmm. and if it would, like, wash everything away. Because, you know, it takes a long time to set up those sets. And, like, every time, like, a couple of times, it kept on washing away, like, everything that they had set up, even though they had they had been told that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So the crew kind of thought that that was, like, a weird omen, especially because that's, like, the big scene where everybody, you know, like where Nancy turns into the 
you know, evokes the spirit. Yeah. So kind of creepy. That was creepy. People like Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie auditioned for the roles in the movie. And oh, that wow. would have totally changed the, the feel of the movie. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, that would have changed the whole, that would have changed the whole feel because we envisioned a certain way. Yeah. Here's the part that everybody talks about, right? I feel like a lot of people talk about is that Rob and Tony, who plays Sarah, were a wig for the movie mm-hmm. because she had just been in Empire Records where she, she on camera, shaved her head and had to have a shaved head. Those uh, movies, like, generally came out at the same time. Yeah. Where she played Deborah in that movie. Yeah. Um, But she wore a wig throughout the press. Um, and um, you have a note here, which you can say, about her wearing a wig. Oh, my God. Yeah, her wig was, like, I always thought something was wrong. Like, her hair was way too textured. <laughs> and it looked it looked super dry and I'm like and you can tell it didn't look like a wig but if someone was like oh that's a wig I'm like yeah that's definitely a wig because when you look at it like at the top part it didn't look like one it must have been like a lace front or something for back yeah for back I think then. a big part of it too was like it was it looked like a wig, but then, like, also, like, her hair was flying because she was doing magic or something. <laughs> there was, like, a lot of attention drawn to it. Yeah, it, it, it looked so bad, it almost looked real. <laughs> yeah. It just looked like a regular person, not like somebody in a movie. Yeah, like, they had it where it, her hair just always looked disheveled. Always, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody else was on point. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people talk about the weirdness of, like, during this time, like, these two movies had the same type of actors and actresses in them. So, mm-hmm. Steve Ulrich, who plays Chris Hooker, the main guy that mm-hmm. plays about the football player. Yeah. Uh, he also played Billy Loomis in Scream with Nev Campbell. So, it's, like, the same cast members. Wow. So it's weird to see those movies because they were like generally at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about none of the teenagers, none of the actresses were teenagers at the time. Yeah, uh, which Rachel is really True. Interesting. Rachel True was like almost 30 or was 30, but most of them were like mid 20s. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting because we like our teenagers adults, I guess. <laughs> Uh, a Bulk, who played Nancy, was actually born into a Renaissance fair family and has a pagan upbringing, so she had a lot of books and knew quite a lot about Wicca, Wiccan and witchcraft in the first place. Yeah. Um, and then after the movie, she bought a magical supply shop in Hollywood. Wow. Um, That's so, so she was cool. pretty dedicated. Yeah. She was kind of like how she is in the movie in real life as well. Oh yeah, she's she's definitely a witch in real life. I love her. I follow her on Instagram. Me too. She's so cool. I'm like, damn. Oh. And she has one of those looks where you could totally like run into her like on the train. 
Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, if I'm the train in LA, not here, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess you're in New York. You could be there. Yeah. Okay, so another fact is that first off, Rochelle character got rewritten when she was cast because originally they had her that character cast as a white. A teenage girl who was suffering with bulimia, but then they wanted it to be more a part of what her story would be, mm-hmm. or like fit her character better. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it was it says that uh, Rachel True claimed that she wasn't included in some of the press that was out there, some of the press junkets. Mm-hmm. And here's a quote that it talked about. It said, it just seemed a little racist back then, to be honest. But you have four girls in the movie, and you don't include the black one. I did end up going on one junket because of because one of the other actors called the producer and said, "What's happening here? Will you please include her?" So they did. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, when you when I saw that in the the notes that you sent me, I was just like shocked because. First of all, she was one of my favorite characters in a movie, and she did so well. Um, yeah. And the fact that she played a black girl, she was being discriminated against in the movie, and then to turn yeah. around and have that happen with blame the cast, but whoever was over everything, um, mm-hmm. it it just wasn't right. And she's such a cool person. Like, I follow her. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but I follow her on Instagram. And and she just seems so interesting and cool um, all around. But to to hear that was really disappointing because it was such a good movie. And I I would hate to think that it had something to do with race, but clearly, you know. Well, yeah, and like a lot of the other movies we even talked about earlier didn't even have people of color in them i mean like a few of them did but in general like this was a movie where they were representing and and she was well in some ways like there were four characters so like her story was just as powerful as the rest of their story but like the main thing is like how are they going to make her story be about racism and then not include her (laughs) like but i mean that's what hollywood does yeah and then the fact that her story like i to this day i still remember like the lines of <laughs> what was said to her like when they were in the mm-hmm. the locker room and how the girl was like talking about her hair and just like me going to catholic school when i was little and just like dealing with different backgrounds and people and just how ignorant some people were towards black people um yeah that stuck with me that resonated with me because i had to deal with stuff like that when i went to catholic school and then even in high school um i was like mm-hmm. one of the only literally the only black person in my class so like that that really resonated with me so to hear that she was also being casted out for like openings and like the the different events they have for that movie even though she was a main character, yeah, it was just it's disappointing to know that. So, but yeah. yeah. And then my last note is that the whole—I mean, this is just a random thing. I, I 
far from watching the movie that they kept that when Nancy got the money from her stepdad dying. Yeah. $175,000. <laughs> and then they get this huge apartment. Yeah. And they get a jukebox that plays nothing but Connie Francis. Yeah. $175,000 isn't enough to pay for all of that stuff, or at least not for long. So I don't understand. Yeah, that was really strange. But then again, not so much because you got to think it was back in the 90s. Yeah, I guess that's So true. they probably play like, I don't know. Apartments weren't trending back then. Like buying Maybe a I'm house. Maybe I'm thinking about it nowadays. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's nothing today. But back then they were... They probably bought that apartment. It's probably like maybe twenty, thirty thousand. It was like a high rise, and they had a jukebox and a new couch. <laughs> that couch was know. so tacky. <laughs> it was just tacky, but that was a nice apartment. It was cool. They were smoking inside. I was into that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. then. That wraps up some of the special, uh, like, key insider information on the side. Yeah. But then the end of the end of it, just to wrap this up, is to think about how I always think about how each of the girls represent like a different type of person, mm-hmm. or a different type of need or struggle that they were going through. Like, Sarah was dealing with her mental health and battling her depression. From, you know, personally from the death of her mother or, you know, family issues. Yeah. So that she was, like, healing from that. And then Nancy was in a bad situation. And they talk about how in the script she was dealing with, like, abuse from her family mm-hmm. and trauma. And, like, she was in, you know, an underprivileged situation. And they were living in a, you know, a trailer park. And her mom had, you know, addiction problems. So, like, that's another issue that people or then Rochelle was dealing with bullying and the racism and being picked on and how that was inflicted on her. Yeah. And then Bonnie was dealing with being disformed from a fire or her own body image and healing. So all of those different all those different, you know, types of people mm-hmm. kind of are different parts of us too. Like we have issues with battling, you know, our feelings or dealing with our, you know, healing, you know, our own trauma or body issues or exactly. you know, getting bullied and racism and like all these different things that are kind of just like different parts of us. Yeah. Because like, I kind of have this like theory like if you put all both five or four of them together, they're all kind of like different parts of your own consciousness in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know? That we have to deal with on a daily basis. For sure. So it's kind of like... It's kind of like... No, I was going to say like if someone had split personalities. But not even that. Like honestly, I think that just that different phases in our lives, we all at one point have been one of those characters. Totally, yeah. Like, I think it, we all have different sides of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's also another part that I was going to talk about here, which is, like, the good 
versus the bad, the hero versus the villain. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a long time where, you know, I would ask my friends or we would talk about, like, which character are you? Are you Nancy? Are you, you know, like, are you Sarah? Are you the good one? But they all had elements of being good. Like, you see that side when they do that breakdown at the one point where you go to Nancy's house and then you see Bonnie, like, getting her surgery, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then you see Rachel True at the pool. Like, you see all these different sides so that these are all, like, human people and, like, trying to make decisions. Yeah. Which I know, like, doesn't happen in every horror movie either. You know, a lot of times you just, like, it's just a very surface-level understanding of these people, so. Exactly. The idea of, like, who is good or bad, it's like Nancy doesn't deserve, they even talked about how Nancy they thought about killing her off at one point, but then they wow. were like, Nancy doesn't deserve, yeah. Then they thought about how Nancy doesn't, like, deserve to die, because one, she's a teenager, and she was when she was dealing with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think out of everyone, her story was the saddest. Because there was yeah, nowhere, totally. no, like, it's one thing to be dealing with your own insecurities, but the fact that you can't have a mom that's halfway normal. Yeah. That and that's, was... like, a real situation that people, like, there's no safety mm-hmm. to go home to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's... Other... What were you going to say? No, go on. Because if if it's me, like, I'm going to be rambling. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you're commenting because it makes it less boring when you're just, like, talking, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I am trying to, like, keep it moving. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep going. (laughs) So then other themes are just of, like, alienation. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like how Nancy's going through with her family, too. Like, you not only feel, like, separated from the people that are bullying you at school, but, like, you know, there could be family issues there, mm-hmm. or like, whatever you're struggling with. Yeah. Bad. So that's what, like, kind of creates this, like, outsider culture, or trying to find your, you know, group of people. Yeah. And then also, like, there's just, like, really deep issues of like mental illness they talk about in there and suicide and then there's like the whole part with like the sexual assault where he like tries to like come on to her yeah there in the car yeah and then there's like kind of this weird like underlying thing of like well you put a spell on me like that's why i'm acting this way type of mentality which is kind of strange as well yeah so there's a lot of like just big issues that I do think that in the newer one they wanted to make sure that like it was more for positivity from the main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like if you really think about the movie, it's like pretty intense. And then there is a big over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So then there's also a part where the whole end part is a little bit weird because it's like, 
is it magic or were they just taking advantage of her like own fears? I mean, obviously it's magic because it's a movie, mm-hmm. but like they were really gaslighting her, and these weren't like none of them were really that great of friends to each other in some ways. Like a lot of it was a kind of toxic friendship. Yeah. The way that we would look at it now. Yeah, definitely. Like it took it took me a long time to not honor the way that they talk to each other with my own friendships actually because like I do think that it's like kind of they're very negative and it's very they're not like helping each other at all times yeah I was surprised um that the other two girls were because they were basically like sidekicks right I felt like they at the end I didn't know like how they turned out like once they got their wishes granted and like obviously Nancy was <laughs> like she was basically gonna be exed out because she was just going too crazy with wanting to have too much power and everything and I just felt like at the end, when they come to her house and they're like, hey, you know, we want to wish you well or whatever. But they were still being yeah. bitches. And I, yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's how people talk to each other. And I think that that is also just kind of this 90s teen movie way of talking to each other, too, you know? Yeah. I, that took me by surprise. I, I would have thought, because I haven't watched your craft since I was little so watching it now as an adult I thought that at the end they apologized and they were just like you know super sorry but they really weren't they really weren't and they got to keep their magic well not their magic but they got to keep the wishes that they wanted so that was pretty crazy they all had powers before they met each other, too. Yeah. So it's like, and if you think about real people and our powers, it's like they had powers with or without, you know, each other. Yeah. Which was stronger. But didn't, but didn't at the end, didn't they say that because they had asked her, like, oh, do you still have your power? Because we don't. We don't have ours anymore. But they were still able to keep their wishes. I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah, they do say they don't have their powers, don't they? Yeah. They don't trust them. They could still have them. Though. But, I no, I think she binded all of them because she was like, I don't trust you guys. And, like, you basically yeah, totally. abused your power when you could have just, like, been straight. Totally. Like, But that's the whole thing. Like, people are so greedy that they just want to keep taking and taking and taking, even if they take something that isn't for them. They don't care. For sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like the power could be absolute power, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it ended on an interesting note in the movie, too. I mean, obviously, Spirit still had her powers. And then her wig, her wig flies in the wind. And then you see Nancy in the same asylum thinking that she can fly and levitate again 
was it all real or was it a dream? There's all kinds of theories that could go into it if you overthink your craft like I do. Yeah, there there's so many different directions you can go with it. I think the one theory that you had where it was just basically her and yeah, like like you said, they were all her her issues her personalities i had never thought about that before and i think that that's a cool spin on it and the other is just the others are just that you know they were how many was it three of them on four they were basically four characters that we are all familiar with as teenagers you have the rich girl you have the quiet, insecure girl, and you Who have. Was a rich girl? Um, what's her name? They're all rich. <laughs> yeah, but what's her name was just rich and new. Um, Sarah. Sarah, she was. Love Campbell. Yeah, no, Sarah. She was rich and new. Nev was like uh-huh. the insecure, rich, <laughs> and then you had. Um, Rachel's character who was like the token black girl but also um, rich and then you had (laughs) (laughs) as you had Nancy poor you had Nancy who was like poor but also like super smart and insecure and just she didn't know herself she didn't know like how much potential she had. She just was angry at the world because of her parents and her background and also ashamed of it and just wanted to she just wanted change. I think out of all of them, she was the one with the most issues and she was also the one that wanted the most power and I think it's interesting how that works is when you don't have control of your life that's when you want the most control so that was her issue for sure yeah yeah no i yeah it's definitely something that you can see yourself in like a lot of this they mean i mean i feel like they made them very human and relatable characters yeah and even though some of them like do bad things, it's like you kind of get where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And the last part I have on here is just talking about the new one. Oh my gosh. Are I you mean, ready? <laughs> we can make it quick, but yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't want to give away what happens either for people that haven't watched it, especially because it's $20. Yeah. So, I would say. 25. So the new version of the craft i think is very it's it's different i'll say that i won't say it's good or bad i just think it's it's definitely different from the original craft it's um it was good i felt like the girls were just it was a different look like the the fashion you could tell wasn't really like a big deal which in the original 
crack was definitely it was all about it was all about the fashion it was all about the the catholic girl versus the goth girl versus the the thrifty looking girl but and the new movie was just straight up oh thrift store <laughs> i think that's some of them had cool fashion i definitely think like the latina girl the latinx girl she looked she looked cool to me and she's trans so i like that they represented that in the movie but yeah i feel like because they were younger too it made it last like fashionable for my eyes as an adult oh you please know? andy they looked like the rugrats <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm being <laughs> they literally looked like life size they need to wear some coats because you're a coat they definitely definitely didn't have any coats and they could have used advantage of that because it took place in the fall and i'm just saying they had (laughs) they had a lot of room for that and they did not utilize that yeah that's true they had some weird there were some weird storylines that were going on too yeah, it was like so everything was like over the top. It was just strange, but not in a good way, and you could tell that it wasn't on purpose. Like it was it was a lot, but it was a good movie, especially if anyone that hasn't seen the original craft and you watch this movie, you you wouldn't have as high expectations, so it would just be like a a cool movie. I thought it was really cool. I think the only thing that I really disliked was that it was rushed and not the storylines were very premature and it, yeah, there wasn't like a lot of character development, like how we talked about exactly. how you can relate with all four of the girls. Like it was exactly. really focused on the main girl. Who to me, like, I mean, she was interesting, but like, I wanted to know about the other one. Yeah, I wanted to, but and then her mother, and like, okay, her mom was a little mysterious because, like, did she know about? Don't give it away. (laughs) You, but you know what I mean. Like, it's a lot of things that could have went one way or maybe was attended for one way but like there's gonna be another part maybe and so they didn't want to give it all away so I don't know I would say you could have hurried it up like you said well it was almost like rust but then like my big takeaway was all the things that I wanted to see mm. they barely spent time on yeah you know like they showed me a lot of things that I didn't as a fan don't care about yeah, like we don't want to see. And I think that they were trying spells. to get a new audience. Yeah, they're th- trying to get like a new audience and younger people. But like, I think that they should have done a little bit both of giving you know the fans what they want and also you know like creating these new characters. I think they could have done both. I say screw screw the new fans. The new fans would be original fans if they watched the original one and this should have been a con- a continuance of that instead they just had to like try to re-event 
it's like dude it the craft it's already it's out there like just can continue it it's a legacy now so all i have to do is continue through and literally everyone in the cast looks amazing in present day like they could have totally all yeah. uh, everyone could have had daughters and you know what i mean and it could have it could have went so many different ways but i I, I just want to, my main thing is the character development. Of yeah. The characters. There's a mm-hmm. lot focused on the main girl. Mm-hmm. And also, like, yeah, no, and you're right. Like, why isn't, well, I mean, this kind of gives some things away, but the original cast, like, why couldn't they just have had them be in it? You know, like, they could have just been, like, so, like, the Saved by the Bell, where they, like, have the yeah. Saved by the Bell characters be the faculty. You know? Exactly. And, like, I guess that they can have another one where maybe that one happened in the next one, but, like, why did they have to have this one? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, it was, it was fine. The response that I saw on the internet was people hated it. You so actually didn't like time. Yeah, no, I thought it was a, it was cute. I think that like i said like it is one of those movies where if you didn't watch the original then you'd be like no it's good but if you watch you'd be like no but again i i like movies like this so it was cool it it was just different it definitely had nothing to do with the original which is like kind of defeating the purpose of making it if it's like there were some weird elements of like them also using it seemed like they used the script from the original mm-hmm. but they like just turned it all around mm-hmm. and they'd be like you know they would use like some of the same lines but then like in a different way and it just was weird like i don't know yeah it but, was weird but because i don't know i also didn't know why david the company wasn't in that much and like did he walk on the wrong set like what are you doing was he (laughs) lost and then like he he played this complete he he played this like creep role like he was just not supposed to be there i don't know who told him to show up I just thought there was a lot of mail and I was ready for my ladies, you know? Yeah, that's another thing. And then they weren't explained. Like, they weren't explained. They were just there. And I didn't like... Yeah, no. I didn't like that. Also, it, it, it was just... It gave me creep vibes. Like, him and his sons yeah. and their whole little, like, little secret society that wasn't explained. Yeah. Maybe it's something about like what's happening in the real world. Like, yeah, definitely. You know, all these undercover like cult groups. Exactly. <laughs> There's so many, and like, and they always have a lot of money, and and it's just yeah. it's really strange, but that is so true. There's so many. The overwhelming. Since we need to wrap this up because it's like five hours long. <laughs> um. The overwhelming feeling when I've been watching a lot of horror movies is that everybody just has like really big houses. Yeah. How it happened. Exactly. Like, there's so much 
room to run from one room to another. It's like yeah, where you. Yeah, it's like. It's like who's who's funding you guys just to be weird? Like, let me know, cause I need to get paid yeah. for being weird. Like, totally. I was watching Hereditary, and oh. I was like, she literally is making little houses <laughs> inside of her huge house, and I like don't have the room. I'm sorry. Yo. She has a room. She has a room to make little houses in. That's insane. That's insane. I have to watch that. But that was good too. Yeah. So I, this was Halloween. We did it. We got through it all. We got through it Exciting. all. Andy, you did amazing. Oh, thank this you. This was like your episode. Um episode. <laughs> yeah, I might I might split this up. I'm going to see how long, like, after I chop everything up, see how long the episode comes out. But this was amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of the Halloween episode. And... Okay. All right, Andy. Thank you. Cool. And have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Please send all listener stories to info 